Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Jason Staples and Buck Sanders. You're listening to the Inside Carolina radio show, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Buck, I'll do my usual and start with you. I really don't know what to continue to talk about. Um, doing these podcasts, Carolina, despite the defense giving up a thousand yards, has the ball um, with a chance to win the ball game and ends up losing by double digits. It sort of reminds me of that ESPN segment they do of bad beats um, where Duke has the ball driving for the winning touchdown and ends up losing by 14 to Cincinnati in whatever bowl game that was. Carolina continues to find creative ways to lose but your thoughts overall I know that you started off with some good seats and ended up with some great seats yesterday in Keenan Stadium yeah I've never had that happen to me before uh, an usher came up to me where Tommy and I were sitting and uh, said uh, hey would you like to move like 20 rows down and uh, so Mrs. Buck, myself, and the IC guest, which was Parent Man 2 uh, and his son, and they were delightful to sit with and watch the game with. And you can win tickets to UNC games if you're so inclined uh, by uh, listening to this podcast and others. It'll happen through the week. But, you know, it's, you know, I'd said in my column this morning that, you know, it's just so many of the particulars of the game are just so similar. It's, you know, groundhog day all over again. You know, you, uh, there's great effort. The players give great effort. Nobody questions that. Um, they, they play hard the entire game. Um, there's, you know, they, they get the game close, um, and they don't finish. And it just seems like the ball doesn't bounce their way when they need it to do so. And it's just uh, like the same game every game. And it gets tiresome to to write about, hear about, read about. But talk at about. the same time, talk about. it's it, At the same time, I think it does point out uh, some of, if you have the same thing happening over and over and over again, then you, you're kind of taking the luck factor out of it, uh, which was kind of Dean May's point yesterday in the post game when he talked about when you have that many injuries over two years, it can't possibly be the result of just bad luck. So you know, when you have kind of the same movie over and over again, you you begin to believe, well, that just wasn't the breaks. So. Um, I think that's my overall take from the from the entire game, and it applies more to this, just the injury situation. Jason, we joked about it um, a little bit, and I have for a while, um, but there's some serious bad mojo going on around the football program in Chapel Hill for whatever reason. If you want to lay it at the coach's feet, uh, which I tend to do, um, if you want to whatever the reason – something's going on within this program that's not normal for most college programs. I mean, I, I don't follow every program in the country. Um, and I'm sure there's some that may can say, well, North Carolina's, you know, sorry for them. We're worse or something like that. But this is beyond ridiculous at this point um, with no end in sight, even in this year. Yeah, you know, there's the old saying, you know, somebody must be living right. Well, um, (laughs) sometimes it may go the other direction, I guess. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, and I hate to say it this way, but uh, but you know, El- Elliot family and those close to to Nathan Elliot really need to give up the uh, the voodoo dolls because uh, the rash of injuries at, at at every other quarterback this year has been uh, kind of remarkable. Uh, you can look at that one of two ways: either you know, there's some some sort of uh, uh, you know football gods conspiracy to uh, <laughs> to make sure that, that Nathan Elliott remains the starter at, at, at Carolina or that, uh, you know, there's some sort of miracle protecting Nathan Elliott from the, the fate of the rest of it, of, of, of the quarterbacks. But uh, that in itself has been remarkable in that um, basically every time somebody else gets some time, uh, that guy, that guy goes down. So um and then you know you look at you look at the defense you look across the board and you go what what is going on i mean and these are not again a lot of these are not situations where it's like oh well you know obviously he's just not conditioned well i mean when you when you have certain kinds of injuries you can start asking that questions and others you don't uh and you know something like what happened with ruder well you know first of all son you're not in high school anymore you you really should get down so you don't take those shots but uh uh, you know, that takes a little bit of learning and, you know, he'll come back stronger on that one. But um, yeah, it's, there, there's some, there's some bad juju, man. I don't know, know what it is, but uh, <laughs> it's, I do know that it's not helpful. It's kind of like when you see uh, the spider in the house memes and somebody shows, you know, a picture of a fire burning the whole place down because of, because of a spider or a snake or whatever. But let's talk about, Ruder a little bit and it's kind of the same way we talked about Fortin I mean it was like uh oh that was nice he looked like he could play at this level and then he's here today gone today <laughs> Ruder certainly um looked the part for his brief period of time in there like Jason said um he's not trucking uh, 150 pound safeties and linebackers as it was in high school he's going up against grown men and while the battle may have been 50-50 and he knocked out the Georgia Tech guys for a little bit, he took the brunt end of it. But that being said, one thing's for certain uh, for North Carolina. Don't know how many things else are, but the quarterbacks, the freshman quarterbacks, certainly look the part in their very small window of opportunity. Yeah, and one other thing I would want to add to the uh, bad mojo theme which I totally disbelieve, you know, in every way. <laughs> I'm probably the least superstitious person you'll ever meet. Um, is that if, I don't if know, you're Tommy you Ashley, the course. <laughs> that's not superstition. That's just lack of talent. Oh, if, if, uh, if relevant, if you're Tommy Ashley's favorite player, you're doomed. <laughs> so, <laughs> It could be the curse of Tommy instead of the curse of the tick. I don't know uh, where I would go there, but the 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 fact that he got hurt in delivering what was an incredible blow to number twenty nine on Georgia Tech side of the ball. Uh, twenty nine left his feet uh, after Ruder hit him and didn't land until three or four feet from where he was at, and and that was just a vicious hit if he doesn't work out at quarterback i think ruder has an excellent career as a linebacker but you know the kid's excited he's playing in his first game and he's trying to you know do the best he can and you know i don't i don't know that he has never been taught to hey make might be a good idea to slide or not you know lower your shoulder in that situation but I don't fault him for trying to get as many yards as he thought he could in that situation. I think a lot of uh, kids would, would have had that same mentality and you don't want to uh, dial back a, a quarterback's tendency to be aggressive. It's a, at a certain point, you're going to need that kid to, Hey, a better part of valor there is to, is, to, but he, he showed some things and I think it's, you know, the our uh, Monday morning quarterbacks at Tar Pit Premium have a pretty good take on it. I think. I think 
Reuter is, uh, if you had to peg the two quarterbacks, then I think uh, probably Fortin ought to be wearing number 10. And uh, Reuter ought to be wearing Marquise Williams' number. Uh, because uh, that's kind of how I the comparisons there seem a little bit more apt. I think maybe Fortin has a little bit more velocity on his passes, uh, may have better footwork. Uh, he may have some of the sort of characteristics that the NFL, you know, might hone in on a little bit better than, than Reuter. Although I think Reuter has a decent arm, maybe above average arm. And he also, you know, Jason and I talked about this way back when, when we were discussing Reuter before he ever played it down, both of us had seen him in practice and, you know, he's a full grown man. You know, that's not your typical skinny need to gain 30, 40 pound freshman, true freshman quarterback. I mean, he's probably the biggest, strongest quarterback on the roster. And when he takes off with the ball and, you know, he's, he's got good elusiveness. So he's a real threat, I think, and has the mentality of a running back when he has the ball. So that's what we've seen from Reuter as opposed to a more uh, sort of drop back oriented uh, quarterback in Fortin. So, yes, those, those two things are very, very encouraging and uh, you know, for the future which that's all we can be encouraged about at, at the present time. Although well, Tommy noticed when we were watching the game that uh, Fortin was at the game, he had a jersey on, but I, I hear that he wasn't in pads. He just he was wearing a jersey. I don't know how close he is. Somebody else said that he may have been practicing a little bit the past week. So it's not out of the question that we'll see Cade Fortin again and Fedora's one benchmark for talking about injuries is when that player is done for the season. And he hasn't said that Fortin is done for the season. So there's still the possibility we'll see him again for the years over with. But, you know, we're this, this horse is beyond beaten to, to death, you know, to, for, for North Carolina football to move forward. And, and, and I will believe this for a very long time. If North Carolina football had it had either Marquise Williams or Mitch Trubisky this year, they're at least an eight-win team. So uh, that's what's got to get corrected. And there's many, many other things that need to get corrected. North Carolina is still not as good on defense as a Power 5 team ought to be. For what reason, I don't know. They have some good players. If Malik Carney had played the full eight games, at this point, he'd be leading the ACC in, in sacks. Uh, so a uh, lot to talk about. I'm, I'm not going to go down the road of that uh, curse of the tick. They're, they're not doomed. They've had some tangible stuff happen to them. The NCAA investigation, the shoegate, uh, factors like that. And recruiting hasn't been what it should be at UNC. Let's just face facts. So it's, it's not all of these things I believe can be traced back to some factual reason rather than some, uh, Halloween curse. Buck not taking the Halloween curse route. I get it, man. I get it. It's November. Let me talk about Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill. I've talked about him a lot this year. It's a great deal. Hills 15 for our inside Carolina listeners. You get 15% off your order. Here's how it works. Go to jerseymikes.com front slash order. Pick one of the Chapel Hill area locations or that new store in Chatham County. Enter your order. Pick your favorite sub or subs. Get ready for your tailgate. Whatever you're doing, lunch, dinner. At checkout, enter the codes HILLS15. Get 15% off your order. These guys have been great sponsoring the Inside Carolina podcast. And it's a great way to give back to our listeners by letting you save 15% on those orders. Remember, jerseymikes.com slash order. Do your thing. Enter the code HILLS15 at your uh, checkout. And you're done. Get your food. Save 15%. Have a great sub for dinner. Jason, just as an aside, you've coached plenty of football Ruder sort of fits the guy at least from what we saw and what we've heard a little bit of the guy that 
you won't. You have to. You rather have to dial a, a kid back than ramp a kid up consistently. Your thoughts on that aspect of maybe Ruder, but also just in general, the type of football players um, that Carolina obviously needs more of. Well, I mean, they need more. To me, on defense, they need more of those rangy sort of not sure what what position he's going to play when he gets on campus, but I know he's an athlete kind of guys. You know, the the guys that you know that, well, this guy could play linebacker. You know, he might wind up, you know, playing safety. If he can't play safety, he's going to play linebacker maybe. And then, you know, if that doesn't work out, maybe he adds enough weight to play defensive end. Those kinds of guys, uh, the you know, in, in some sense, the Butch Davis special there. I mean, that's one thing that Butch did very well is he would see a guy in high school and be like, well, you know, he, he might be playing tight end, but I, I think he's going to be a really good, you know, center or something for us. I mean, talk to Mike Ingersoll about this, uh, and he'll talk about how, you know, Butch would, would peg a guy's position, proper position for college or the pros while, while the kid was playing a completely different position in high school. Uh, and, and that's something that I don't think this staff has done as well. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Hamza Nasiruddin, who's down uh, playing safety at Florida State. He's he's a North Carolina North Carolina legacy from from Charlotte, and that's a kid that I, I don't understand exactly. I, I don't know the whole background in terms of why he didn't wind up at Carolina, but uh, but you know that's the kind of kid that you could use a, a few more of on on your team. You could you know. Find, uh, you know, you got to have Bruce Carter's. You got to have some of those guys. And then beyond that, uh, you know, finding a way to keep a Dexter Lawrence home would uh, would 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 be helpful. Um, but it's just there's there's a lot of little upgrades, a lot of holes that could be filled in terms of, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of good players. I mean, Malik Carney had a great game this week, but you look at they don't have that that five star bell cow defensive tackle and they've had a few in the state they haven't gotten them though um it's those guys and then some of those real rangy athletes that you try to that you try to put out there on defense to uh to to basically give yourself some flexibility and to give yourself some athleticism there that you know i think they're 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 missing uh offensively they're just missing a quarterback uh and like buck said both of the guys both of the young guys have flashed enough early on that, you know, NFL futures are not out of the question for those two. Uh, you know, those guys, uh, you know, I, the, the comparisons to, to Trubisky and, and Williams are in some sense unfair because both of those guys had such uh, great careers at Carolina. But at the same point, those kids have, have they did display a tremendous amount of talent. And if anything, uh, Ruder got rid of the football more quickly and, uh, and, and more on time than, than Williams ever, ever actually did, even when he was a senior. Uh, so I was really impressed by how quickly he processed in his first action uh, and was able to get the ball out. So, uh, so that's a really good sign. In addition to his being able to move around and, and threaten with, with his legs and all that, he, he threw the ball downfield with, some, with, with good uh, accuracy with good velocity. And then uh, the biggest thing to me that I look for, especially with the young guy is does he get it out on time and does he anticipate, does he understand the timing with which you need to throw? And and both of those guys are able to do that in their first action, which is a real positive. So the, the, a lot of the, a lot of the pieces are there for the future. If that one of those guys can stay healthy uh, they do need though, to be in order to be better on defense, you've got to have just a few more, pieces that are the kind of athletes that you need to have to be difference makers on the defensive side yeah walking out of the game somebody said uh, you know god i hope kelly bryant comes to carolina and my thought was i don't know if a game like that or a season like that is good or bad in that regard for as far as kelly bryant's desire to come to carolina Buck, your thoughts on something like that? I mean, a, a kid, and I think Carolina will be fine with Fortner Ruder next season, but the injury factor, you got to have as many quarterbacks on, at least for Carolina, you got to have as many quarterbacks on the roster as you can hold. But how do you think that plays, Buck, as far as that mentality 
Do you come in? Do you want to be a part of it? Do you see it and you want to run away from it? And also, and I think one of these things is, I think this may be the biggest part of how this season's going. If the game scoop is to be believed, and John Bowman reported it from the sidelines, and you know, I believe it to be the case, is there's some sniping starting amongst the players. And Jason, I want your opinion later on how normal that is. Uh, but Buck, if if we start to see more and more of that and more and more of the frustration bubbling over, um, that's what you can't come back from, I don't think, as far as a, a program. But anyway, your thoughts? A lot of questions well, there. Uh, yeah, a lot of questions in there. I'll, I'll start with the Kelly Bryant thing, and that is UNC is a remarkably good fit for, for Kelly Bryant, and I'm pretty sure he sees that. He's going to, if he were to come to UNC, he played in a in an offense not that dissimilar at Clemson. I mean, it's not this is not Brandon Harris, right? I mean, Brandon Harris came out of an offense that was a total 180 from the kind of offense that Fedora runs. And Kelly is well-schooled in that kind of hurry-up, no-huddle sort of spread offense. So he's he's not already unfamiliar with the concepts involved. And number two, I think he can see that there are some interesting offensive pieces there at UNC that would help him excel. Uh, there's some some young talent at UNC in uh, Diami Brown and Antoine Green. Uh, Daz Newsom is has become has established himself now. I think as a true number two threat uh, to Anthony Ratliff Williams. They've they've got a decent stable of running backs, and all of their offensive line is coming back next year. So if you're looking for a place where you can put up numbers and you can be successful as an individual, then UNC has to be in the mix. Whether he those are ultimately persuasive to him, I do not know. But uh, you know, Arkansas is probably going to have something very similar situation. But it, I guess it'll just come down to where he's more comfortable at. Jason, I want to go ahead and get your thoughts on Kelly Bryant, and then we can deal with the, you know, sort of the off the field or on the sideline thing in a few minutes. But first, let me tell you about HillsTravel.com, easiest way to book travel to big UNC basketball away games. And the deal today is HillsTravel.com's offering that package to Chicago to see UNC take on Kentucky on December 22nd. Big, huge college basketball game. You know, as you know, the season starts on Tuesday for Carolina. December 22nd in Chicago will be a big deal. Carolina and Kentucky. HillsTravel.com now. Or call 336-855-0060 to book. It includes your nonstop airfare from RDU to Chicago, transportation to and from the airport and the hotel, and two nights at the Chicago Omni, right where the team is staying. A great chance to see the Tar Heels on a huge stage. Great opponent. Check out a great city around Christmas time. Visit HillsTravel.com now or call eight three. Excuse me, call three three six eight five five zero zero six zero to book. Now, Jason, let me get those thoughts on Bryant uh, first because I think it's relevant, and I think there's a lot of conversation to be had on this topic. Well, as far as Bryant is concerned, I mean, he's shown he can win in the ACC. And he's had success, but honestly, looking at the two youngsters, I'm not sure. Yeah, Bryant would fit at Carolina really, really well, and he would be an upgrade over anything that that, that Carolina has had out there for more than, more than a quarter at a time this year, uh, or more than a quarter and a half at a time, or, or whatever it was. Um, but given that he'd only be there for a year, and that you're talking about with the other two guys that that could be, you know, three-year starters or four-year starters. I'm not sure whether actually getting Bryant would be, would be the better thing. Uh, partly because, again, Bryant won at Clemson. Yes, he had a very good record. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a, a, a dual-threat uh, ability where he can he can uh, do things with his legs uh he's got tremendous speed actually he's 
extremely fast. People don't realize how fast he is. But when I think about it, Carolina is not going to put the, the, you know, the Clemson talent around him. And Clemson, in some cases, won in spite of him. You know, because defenses were able to co- collapse, uh, were able to compress the field because he couldn't challenge them downfield. Uh, he could not. He, if you look at his, uh, at his passing success, uh, and we we can pull up the uh, in a moment while, while Buck's doing his uh, next uh, segment, I'll pull up the the Pro Football Focus uh, numbers on Kelly Bryant in terms of throwing downfield, and those those numbers are not pretty, and that's with a pretty good supporting cast of wide receivers and such at Clemson. Uh, and you look at Clemson's passing game is. Uh, in terms of efficiency and explosiveness, almost three times more efficient with uh, with the Elf playing for him this year than than with Bryant. Uh, that that says something to me about what benefit benefits he might bring to Carolina. Can would he be an upgrade over Nathan Elliott? Absolutely. Would he be able to run the Carolina offense with some success? I think so. Yeah. You know, would he be overall a good fit? Yes. Would he be better than second year uh, Fortin or Reuter? That's a harder question, especially with what we've seen of them. Uh, I think you can make the case that those guys just might be along the same level of quality and actually maybe a little bit more ability to throw the ball downfield than than what Bryant brings to the table. Less experience for sure. You know, less overall stability in certain respects, sure. But if we're talking about not just next year, but building for the future, that other pair, you might actually want them, one of them to be out there, or both of them to be out there next year instead of getting a, a, a grand transfer. Uh, so I think the, the situation is a little bit more complex than, than what we might appreciate uh, just looking at it and saying, well, Carolina needs a quarterback and Kelly Bryant's on the market, take him. So I, I think that that complicates things a bit. That's a great point, and that's something that's been debated on the message boards of plenty is, um, yes, he's an upgrade. Yes, uh, he's a good player. Yes, he won at Clemson. It is Clemson, and Clemson wins a lot. Um, but And one of the funny things is I see people talking about, well, he lost in the championship or in the playoff or whatever yeah, against Alabama. Um, I think a lot of people might lose that game. Not sh- not a hundred percent sure, uh, but at any rate. And I was going to wrap the show. And Jason, you had mentioned earlier about Kelly Bryant stats, and we've got those up. So I'm going to let you talk about those a little bit, and then let's talk a little bit more about this quarterback issue because I think it's relevant, and I think we kind of almost uh, skipped over it. But Jason, what have you found about Bryant stats there? Yeah, I mean, all you have to look at, I'm just going to look at the 2018 stats first and then work our way through. If you look at the pro football focus grades, and, and they're not perfect in, in, in college because of a, a number of reasons. One is that they don't have the play call and all that, but they're, they're doing basically the same thing I do, and generally they're, they're in the ballpark. Um, when you look at their grades of Kelly Bryant in the first four games of 2018, it gives you a good sense of, of what, what he is. His grade, his offensive grade against Furman was a 59.8. His offensive grade against Texas A&M was a 52.8. His offensive grade against Georgia Southern, a 59.1. And then a 68.7 against Georgia Tech. So those are not outstanding grades, right? And his pass grade, say, against Texas A&M was a 49.5, right? So if you go back to 2017, you get the same stuff, right? You're getting, you're getting a lot of the same, the same issues, some higher grades, uh, graded out generally a little higher in 2017 than he did in 2018. But, you know, NC State graded out as a 56.9 pass grade. Against Boston College in 2017, 55.8 as a, in his pass grade. These are not great numbers. And when you start looking at his at his passing chart, when you look at where he actually uh, where he actually throws, 
you know, he's he's got the majority of his work is done in the zero to 10 yard mark, zero to 10 yard range where he's getting his higher grades. You get a little bit in that 10 to 20 range, but downfield, not not that great. He had, you know, he's two for three to the outside left. Not a not a big sample size in 2018. I could probably go do a little better going to 2017 there. But, you know, outside left in 2017, three for 13 for 96 yards, 57.9 NFL passer rating when throwing 20 yards, beyond 20 yards uh, down the line, past the line of scrimmage to the outside left. A little bit better down between the numbers and the outside right, but outside right is where he'd had, you know, a good amount of success. But five for 15, four touchdowns in, in you know, outside right stuff and and not all of this translates great to uh to podcast listening so we'll post the charts but you know when you're looking at what he's doing 10 yard 10 plus yards down the field it does not scream you know stud quarterback so you know you're get you would get competent quarterback play i think with kelly bryant but you're not looking at at suddenly a guy that like oh man, since we have him, suddenly we're going to be a, a a a really good offense. It's you know you're going to get competence, which, well, you know actually, I mean if you if you just got that the re- this year, if you got competent quarterback play, like and consistently competent quarterback play, Carolina probably be you know seven or eight win team right now. And Buck that, and I don't do this to knock anybody, um, any player, but it is what it is, and. You can play hard and do the absolute best you can and maybe not be good enough to be successful. But when we've watched Reuter and then we watched Fortin, uh, they made passes. And we've talked about the timing and all that. But they made passes generally that most P5 quarterbacks make. And, you know, throughout the stands or throughout the message boards, folks jump up and down about it as being some great thing and it's it would be for North Carolina let's put it that way it would be a great thing for North Carolina just to be as Jason maybe mentioned competent Um, I I posted or tweeted or something if Carolina had a competent offense they would have won at least three of the last four games and maybe more of them Um, and that's not to knock anybody out there as they're doing as well as they can well um, I didn't hear a question in there but uh, it's rhetorical, rhetorical, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, but I'll make a, I'll make a comment. And, uh, and I think Jason, when you, uh, do that posting of the information about Kelly, you know, because, um, pro football focus is really a relatively new phenomenon in terms of grading performances and that sort of thing. They've been around a little while, but, there are also uh, a pay service that not everybody is going to subscribe to to be able to get that kind of information. Uh, and I don't even think that um, you can subscribe as just a reader to get the pro football focus facts. You have to be a publisher to get them. So it would be instructive, I think, and helpful when uh, posting that kind of stuff is you, you talked about what Kelly's numbers are, but you know, kind of discuss what, what looks like an average quarterback, what numbers, you know, you, Kelly was 59 point, whatever you said he was and well, okay. What does a, a good quarterback look like or above average quarterback? What is an excellent, what kind of numbers do really good quarterbacks put up for comparative purposes and I think that would help increase understanding of, of the kind of numbers that uh, pro football focus has given us because Inside Carolina actually does subscribe ourselves uh, to uh, get the pro football college numbers. Uh, we make, make great use of them this year. So uh, that kind of thing would be very helpful in, uh, to increase understanding of exactly what UNC might be getting in in terms of Kelly Bryant if he were to choose UNC, and also, uh, you know, maybe compare that. What were Marquise Williams' numbers? What were Mitch Trubisky's numbers? You know, that sort of thing. So yeah, and, uh, and I'll just and, pass that along as as a comment. 
Yeah, and 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 we, I, I can uh, I can pull some stuff together, and we can do a little uh, a little bit independently on that in terms of uh, later this week uh, for Inside Carolina. So, listeners, you can uh, expect something along those lines a little later in the week. But you know, I've pulled up Nathan Elliott's numbers. Uh, looking at Nathan Elliott's numbers so far in 2018, Nathan Elliott's grade, offensive grade for uh, so far in the uh, in the 2018 season is a 59.1. Right. And these grades are out of 100. If you're if, if you do everything perfectly, if you do everything you're supposed to do and you do it perfectly, it's 100. So Nathan Elliott's grade is a 59.1 on the year. Kelly Bryant's grade in 2018 is 58.5. Something to think about. Right. Yeah. Nathan Elliott's yeah. pass yeah. grade is a 59.5. Kelly Bryant's pass grade is 56.0. Now. Kelly Bryant's run grade is a good bit higher. He's he's in the 60s, yeah. and and when he does do something right, sometimes he's he's got a bit more explosiveness and all that. But it does tell you a little bit about what you know, what you what you helps can, to temper uh, expectations expect. a little bit, right? Tempers and expectations when, a little. When you look at Mitch Trubisky, or Mitchell, if you prefer, uh, and you go back to 2016, and you look at his passing summary. His pat his his uh, offensive grade was an eighty eight point five. Wow, and his pass grade yeah. is an eighty six point four. Yeah, right. That's what a really good quarterback looks like. If you're in the mid eighties, you're a stud as a quarterback. If you were right. if you're if you're above the mid eighties, you're 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 probably draftable. And if you are if you're even above that, then well, you're you know you're you're to a tongue of Iloa or, uh, you know, the elf or whomever else. I mean, there's, there's a number of, of guys there, but uh, you know, pulling up uh, Marquise Williams, uh, Marquise Williams. I mean, again, not a, not a perfect quarterback, but, uh, but a guy that had a lot of success in a, in a really good college quarterback, Marquise Williams, you look at his average grade in, uh, in, in the 2015 season, 82.8. His average passer grade, 75.4, which I think displays sort of where he and Trubisky were, right? I mean, Trubisky, 80, what, what did I say, an 86 passer grade? So a, yeah. a good 10 points higher. That, that seems about right. And then their and that overall might, that grades. separate. Yeah. Their overall grades were, were closer, 82 versus 88. Those are quality. That's, that's competent, more than competent. That's quality quarterback play. Competent quarterback play to me is, say, high sixties through the you know through the seventies. You, you you get if you're above say a sixty eight or so through about seventy eight. That's that's competent quarterback play. That's 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 going to be winning quarterback play for the most part. If you're above eighty, now you're looking at outstanding quarterback play. And <laughs> if you're above yeah. nine, if, if you're, you're above 90, below it's 60, just ridiculous. Yeah, you know, if, if you're above 90. or below it, sixty, maybe you shouldn't be playing. Um, I I don't know if that's uh, if that's quite as fair, but yeah. it means that there's there's significant room for improvement. I mean, if you got below a sixty in a college course, I mean, is is that successful? You know, Tua Tagovailoa right now is averaging a ninety two point two. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and probably probably we should take the, a moment to, to say that those grades, the type of grades a quarterback gets may also depend upon the quality of his supporting cast. And, well, yeah, it certainly helps. And, and with Kelly Bryant, maybe his numbers um, might be actually a little inflated because of the quality of uh, his supporting cast during the time he spent at Clemson. Just something yeah. I'll throw out there. I don't know that to be true, but yeah. And if you look at the elf right now at at Clemson, uh, you know he's he's above an eighty. Uh, he's at an eighty one point four right now, uh, and those numbers are increasing uh, as he's playing more this season as a true freshman. But you know his numbers. You're looking at a, a good thirty points higher than Kelly Bryant in the same offense. It is uh... as a true freshman. That kid's it, special. Yes, indeed. And it, it I think what 
goes back to this whole conversation is disjointed as maybe we've put it together, but I think it's relevant is that it's a lot more complicated than folks think it is, but competent quarterback play and uh, better than competent quarterback play equals winning college football and anything less does not. I think yeah. it's, I think it's pretty, I think you can simplify it almost to that point. Right, Jason. Yeah, and 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 for to do a couple more to put it more in perspective, Cade Fortin, his grade against uh, Virginia Tech was a sixty nine point eight. Yep, and what forty seven snaps maybe or something like that. Um, let's see. Yeah, he had um, um, the numbers I'm looking at don't include snaps, but they've got you know uh, eighteen attempts, uh, twenty four overall, less than forty snaps. But you know, averaging a sixty nine point eight, Reuter uh, against uh, Georgia Tech was an eighty eight point nine. Now that's in fewer snaps, obviously. So you know, fewer opportunities to make a mistake here or there. But if that doesn't underscore the difference between what I mean, it it matches the eyeball test. And like I said, good enough. Good enough is to me over about a sixty eight. That's that's you're going to you're going to be able at least if you've got decent talent around a guy, you're probably going to be able to win when when you're starting to get into the 70s, you're going to be able to win some games with that. If you get into the 80s, now that's 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 quality. That's that's really good. And you get into the 90s and well, you know, you're 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 competing for Heisman. So, uh <laughs> this this is and that, that, I mean, I think that should be encouraging for Carolina fans in terms of both of the young guys looked like power five quality quarterbacks in their early action. So, you know, but That's good I think stuff, that, Jason. that reinforces my, that reinforces my case that I'm not sure if I'm a Carolina fan that I'm actually rooting for them to get Kelly Bryant, because I think the other two might even as early as next year be better than Kelly Bryant as as college quarterbacks. You're underestimating the curse of Tommy there, though. Depth no, uh, it's not my fault. <laughs> you, you want to pay me fourteen million? I guarantee you there'll be no curse. <laughs> so, Buck, I'm up. For, I'm free agent. <laughs> Let me sneak in this last commercial, and uh, then we'll wrap this show on a topic that I think or that I find is pretty troubling or perhaps very troubling. Buck, my second question earlier, uh, and this is something that I think becomes an issue the more the losing goes on, and it may be a normal trend for teams, is playing hard. Are you playing hard for yourself? Are you playing hard for the staff? Whatever, as long as you're playing hard. But if the sniping or infighting starts – um, as we've seen some reports of maybe on the sidelines, is that that big a deal given the state of this season, the state of how this uh, losing streak and the way they're losing continues to build? It, is frustration boiling over or, or becoming evident on the sidelines? Is that a problem for the staff and the program? Most definitely it is a problem. Um, there's the, the, First inclination I've seen of this outside of John Bauman's sideline report from the game, which you can look at in the game scoop on InsideCarolina.com if you're a premium member. There's when you have someone like Cole Holcomb who was interviewed. Uh, the, his uh, interview is also up on Inside Carolina. Uh, the video of it, and Cole Holcomb. Something that he said troubled me a little bit. And I think I heard this right and I heard how he said it. But when he was talked, when he was asked about some of the play of the defense, he said something to the effect of there were some guys that just didn't want to go out and make a play. And to me, that's a little bit more troubling than even what uh, John Bauman had to say. So, uh, you know, uh, he reported that uh, 
Daz Newsom and Aaron Crawford kind of got into a little bit of verbal concentration. Uh, and, and Crawford had something to say to Newsom about doing his job or something like that. And it got tense and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, and Bauman says there was more examples of uh, an undercurrent of frustration building up more, more noticeable than it had been. So those things are troubling. And we have seen that movie before uh, in 2014 when down the stretch uh, there was comments being made by players about other players not giving the kind of effort and or in the opinion of the other players the way they should and and when you do that when there's that poison floating around the locker room uh, it's not good it's not good uh, in like many different ways there are multiple layers of why that's not good and one of those is it affects the team's performance in my opinion you you look at the end of the season, uh, 2014 and, uh, the bowl game, uh, against Rutgers. And, and you could just tell, I mean, players were extremely frustrated and they, they took that frustration out on other players uh, verbally. So, you know, it's, it's a disturbing thing. And if, if it doesn't get corrected, um, you know, it is certainly not, uh, something that would should encourage anyone uh, that uh, has UNC as a rooting interest. Jason, your former school is certainly going through some struggles. <laughs> um, to Both it, my formal schools. Yeah, well, I mean, Florida State's at least four and five, and uh, but State took them to the woodshed. But your thoughts on that? I mean, it's diff, it has to be difficult. Or I know it's difficult to play and give 100% when you're pretty sure what the outcome is going to be. And unfortunately, losing every which way you can um, gets in folks' heads. And, and then this type of stuff may start. And I'm not trying to blow it out of proportion, but I think it is relevant because it's been one of the calling cards for folks that think um, the staff um, is, in good, is on good footing regardless of the record is that if this kind of stuff begins, then I think it's a big problem. And it's one thing for it to begin in year two or three, when you've got um, different players recruited by different staffs and all that kind of stuff. Um, there was a bunch of that issue back then, but now at this point, your thoughts on it, I, I think it's a, a problem. I think it could be a, a game changer, so to speak. Um, for whatever happens after this season's over. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem, but losing always brings out the worst in in everybody. You, you find out sort of who's where. And like you said, it's kind of inevitable that, that some guys start to decide, well, you know, why should I, why should I even do this? I mean, I, I, had, I had a, uh, a ship player in, in, in my own practice last week where we were working on a uh, on a particular wall punt return uh, for that week and I had one of the one of the one of the uh, one of the guys that was supposed to be one of my rushers who then becomes part of the wall who look who, who kind of under his breath just goes they ain't gonna catch the punt anyway and that's you, you have to deal with that all the time because and, and one of the reasons is because we played so many punters that just you know they'll end up kicking it 20 yards and you end up having to get away from the football and nobody, you know, nobody catches it, you know, in high school, that happens a bunch. Right. So you get players that are like, what's the point? Why are we even installing this? I mean, the odds of them actually punting it 35 yards and in a position where we're actually going to catch it and return it are slim. So why even work on this? That's just a small example. And it happens at every level. Uh, at the same time, when, when you have that become more than just a sort of thought that, that everybody as a player has, and you're going to have those thoughts and it becomes a, a thing that starts to affect whether or not people actually do their jobs, then yeah, then, then you're going to start to get the spiral in the, the, the death spiral of losing uh, where 
everything re- losing reinforces losing and and guys just kind of go out and go through the motions because you know what's the point of giving effort what's the point of caring if i'm just going to have my heart ripped out by somebody else not doing his job so screw it uh and yeah that when that stuff starts to happen usually that's that's kind of the end for a season and uh sometimes it's the end for for an entire regime uh but the fact that it hasn't happened to the, up until this point this season has kind of been remarkable because there's been so many frustrating losses. And, uh, and you know, I think a lot of the players understand that they've been put in, in, in positions to succeed in a lot of cases and just haven't, and, you know, either they or their teammates haven't made plays. And so, you know, there is an, an aspect, some, some sniping just boils down to guys trying to hold each other accountable, which is actually a positive thing. So there, there's multiple sides to this. Uh, it can get really toxic over time if you just start getting a bunch of finger pointing, but you do need guys, you need players to hold one another accountable. So you have to let some of that go and, and happen. You have to actually encourage some of it. and you hope that it ultimately leads to guys doing what more of what they need to do rather than more guys just deciding to blame, blame each other and check out. And it's, it, it's to some degree a little unpredictable on which is, which it's going to be that the more you lose, the more it's going to start tilting toward guys pointing fingers and checking out. Indeed. One in seven. It's tough to breed confidence when you're one in seven. We'll see how Carolina responds. Duke at Duke this coming weekend. Uh, the Blue Devils won in a monsoon, or at least early in the game, monsoon down in Miami. We know how Carolina's game down in Miami turned out. Buck, Jason, appreciate you getting it done early. Appreciate you getting it done after yet another bad loss for North Carolina. I'm sure we'll talk again soon, boys. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.